Welcome back to the C3 Podcast. This week, Pastor Robin starts a new series, The Great Commission in Light of the Return of Jesus. This week's sermon is called Live a Righteous Life. Nobody is going to fudge their way into heaven. Jesus gave us an example of Christians who do not enter the eternal kingdom. And we'll call them Christians because that's how they refer to themselves, okay? We hope you enjoyed today's message, and if you'd like, go to c3pottstown.com and plan a visit to join us in person next Sunday. The story was told about a man who visited his violin violin teacher, and he asked what's new. Before I go on with this story, I do want you to know that, and, and I had in my mind to say this, but it's not in my notes, I already had in my mind what I was going to preach, the next series I was going to preach. And I finished up the series on thriving before Mother's Day, and then I preached a Mother's Day message, and then I had in mind the direction I was going to go. Now, I got a publication uh, toward the end of last week, I guess it was, and I really never look at that publication right away. But this time I looked at it, and there was an article in there from our former general superintendent, uh, George Wood, who passed away in January of this year. And I was reading this article, and I know the Holy Spirit was kind of working with me on this. And the next series, this series I'm starting today, is built upon the five points that was in this article that I read. So maybe we weren't ready for the next series that I had in mind. I'm sure I will do it this year, unless the Lord moves me in a different direction. But now let me get on with the story. Okay, this man visited his violin teacher and asked him, what's new? He grabbed his tuning fork and he banged it. He said, that's an A. They're going to wonder why the table's all dinged up. Okay. He says, now upstairs, a soprano rehearses endlessly, and she's always off key. Next door, I have a cello player who plays this instrument very poorly. There's an out-of-tune piano on the other side of me. He says, I'm surrounded by terrible noise night and day. And then he tapped his tuning fork again. He says, that's an A today. He said, that will be an A tomorrow. It will never change. Friends, this morning, I want to bang out an A of biblical teaching about the return of Christ as it relates to fulfilling the Great Commission. Let me read to you what the Great Commission is. Matthew chapter 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, if 
you were to study every passage in the New Testament regarding the second coming of Jesus, you'll find that it's a blessed hope and a help to the church to kind of steer us along toward the Great Commission. So let me read to you what the blessed hope is in a nutshell. He says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. This message ministers strength to the believers so that our hearts won't sag, our hands won't tire, our heads won't droop under the burden of the life that we have in this earth and uh, in the opposition that we have to face of the world. This glorious message of Christ's appearing gives strength and energy to the church. We are the church, friends. It helps us remain diligent in our task of evangelism as we fulfill the Great Commission. All the New Testament passages about the second coming fit into one of the following themes. And these are the five things we're going to talk about in the next few weeks. Today we're going to talk about the hope of the Lord's return provides a powerful incentive for righteousness in our daily lives. It also galvanizes us to risk greatly for the kingdom of God. The hope of the Lord's return keeps us secure in our purpose to endure to the end. It fills us with an anticipation of a great reward. And the hope of the Lord's return makes us long for a reunion with him, the one who we serve and love. Well, we get to drink from the well of help that's provided in the doctrine of the blessed hope, which is the promise of the Lord's return. And it serves as an encouragement for us to stand and lift our heads because our redemption is drawing near. The, the song that we just sang, our hope is in you, Lord. Our life is in you, Lord. That's what we're talking about here. Listen to what Jesus said it was, as he was talking about the end times. He said, then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. So today our, our topic on the hope of Christ's return is it provides a powerful incentive to live righteously. This incentive is for us to maintain righteousness in our daily lives. I'm starting your notes now if you're following along with your notes. Maintain righteousness in our daily lives. How many of you know that you can't feel, fool God? I mean, nobody is going to fudge their way into heaven. Jesus gave us an example of Christians who do not enter eternal, the eternal kingdom. And we'll call them Christians because that's how they refer to themselves, okay? Listen to what Jesus said about these people who think they're going to heaven. 
Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. So one might ask the question, why are these people not qualified for the kingdom of heaven? Well, because they confused doing the will of God with being in the will of God. They thought their outer deeds would give them accreditation, but the Lord is looking for righteousness on the inside of us. Although they had charismatic ministry, Jesus sent them away as evildoers. Now, all of us know people who fit into this category. I mean, people in all walks of life. So let me, let me just talk about preachers for a moment, okay? Because we, we've seen it happen. They preached to large crowds, did mighty deeds, but their lifestyle didn't bear the marks of Christ. They were puffed up with pride and, and led excessive lifestyles. They accepted the sacrificial offerings of widows, but they lived like kings. They preached the crucified life, but wore the most expensive jewelry and clothes. They talked as though they were citizens of Jerusalem, but they lived like those in Sodom. Now, I'm not trying to cast judgment on anyone. I just know that we have seen this happen, okay? So I've laid out some sad truths about people on this side of the pulpit. But you know, similar things are happening on this side of the pulpit as well. The hope of our Lord's return provides us with a powerful incentive for righteousness in our daily lives. Think about this. Jesus is coming. Man, I better make sure I'm straightened up. I better make sure I'm walking the walk and talking the talk. So let's move on. Jesus says, you too must keep watch. For you don't know when the master of the household will return. In the evening, at midnight, before dawn, or daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you uh, what I say to everyone, watch for him. So Jesus admonished us to stay watchful for his coming. Now it says that, you know, they, they were sleeping when he arrives. We're not talking about physical sleep, okay? When Jesus comes, there's going to be part of the earth that it's going to be nighttime and they're going to be in bed and they're going to be asleep. We're not talking about that. We need physical sleep for our well-being. We're talking about falling asleep spiritually, Let's look at some of the ways that Christians go to sleep spiritually and therefore fail to watch. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells us, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them. 
where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths, moths and rust can't destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So one way Christians sleep and fail to watch is with a materialistic lifestyle. It stores up treasures on earth, not treasures in heaven. Did you notice that Jesus didn't list what those treasures might be? Neither did he limit them to just money. He said, your treasures are related to the desires of your hearts. Another way that Christians sleep and fail to watch is with a lifestyle of hypocrisy. By abusing others through harsh words and actions which are contrary to what a Christian is professing. And see, while all that's going on, Jesus said this. He says, a faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. So the Lord was saying that the master would give this faithful, sensible servant more responsibility because he was already responsible. But Jesus continued talking about a different kind of servant. He says, but what if the servant is evil and thinks, my master won't come back for a while. And he begins beating the other servants and partying and getting drunk. So here Jesus gives the consequences of that type of servant. He says, the master will return unannounced and unexpected. He will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In the place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is definitely a person who is spiritually asleep. Let's move on. Ways that Christians go to sleep, therefore failing to watch. And that's equating Christianity with success instead of service. Now, George Wood put it this way. He says, some Christians go to sleep and fail to watch because they have a goat mentality, equating the Christian life with success rather than a sheep heart that values service. So Jesus talked about the return of the Son of Man when he said this. He says, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. What he said about those on his right, he said, they gave food to the hungry, water to the thirsty, they welcomed the stranger, clothed the naked, and they visited those who were sick and in prison. And then he made a comparison. He says, which was the same as doing it for him? And here's what he said to the ones that were separated on the left. Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. Why? 
because they didn't reach out to others. Listen to what he says. And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Wow. Let's move on. The reason Christians go to sleep and fail to watch. They, refu they re uh, refuse to refrain from worldly passions. Refusing to say no to ungodliness. They fail to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives while waiting for the blessed hope, while waiting for the return of Jesus. Paul gave us some insight on this when he wrote to T Titus. He says, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. Friends, he's coming. Okay? He is coming. When? We don't know. But in the meantime, we don't need to be hindered by all the evil and immorality that's going on around us. Listen to what he says in the next verse. He says, he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. Where's your influence coming from? Is it coming from the world that we're living in, or is it coming from the Savior who is going to take you into eternity? Let's move on. How differently do we live in light of his appearance? How do you live knowing that Jesus is going to come back someday? Here's what we're told in Corinthians. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear what that just said? We have every spiritual gift we need. We lack no spiritual gift at all. We have every spiritual gift as we faithfully wait for him, Paul told us that in the next verse, God will keep us strong to the very end. He will keep us strong as a church. He will keep us strong as individuals. Why? So that we'll, we will be free from all blame when our Lord Jesus returns again. Now in Thessalonians, Paul prayed for the Thessalonians. He prayed for us as well. He prayed that our love would overflow. And right after he prayed that our love would overflow, listen to what he says. He says, he may, as a result, make your hearts strong, blameless, and holy. As you stand before God, our Father, when our Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. 
So friends, as we live in light of his coming again, our hearts are strengthened, they're blameless, and they're holy. Our love for one another and all the people that, uh, for all people to grow and overflow when living in God's presence, when the Lord comes with his holy ones. In other words, we will be righteous in the eyes of God. In light of his second coming, we're not ashamed of him or his words. We're living in a day and age where people are quick to protest. You know, I get it. People have the right to protest. But today they protest just about everything. And their protests also include things that are good. They're protesting against. So let me ask you this. How are you going to fare when they are just as quick to protest things we consider holy? You see, Jesus told us this. If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. You know, Peter, he kind of laid things out. You know, he was laid things out when he wrote, our best interest is to live holy and godly lives. Because he said on that day, he will set the heavens on fire. You know, when I read that this morning, I thought about all those little lights that we see in the sky. Most of those are big balls of fire. And if, our, if the earth was just a little bit closer to the sun, we wouldn't be able to stand it. It'd be too hot. So, you know, just the sun alone is hot and burning all the time. But here it says, on that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. Wow, that is gonna be a fire. He goes on to say, but we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth as he promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. Now, Maybe you're thinking it all seems so far away. People have been saying this forever. Well, maybe it is all far away. But maybe it's not. Jesus could come today. And none of us are guaranteed our next breath. You know, I, I'm going into this uh, procedure tomorrow to uh, to have something done to my heart and I told the, the doctor when I had a consultation with him I said you know you know there's something wrong when you spend over half of your waking minutes conscious that your heart is beating you know, we take things like this for granted. And, you know, what I'm doing is not supposed to be life-threatening. But, you know, before I go into any operating room or procedure, whatever they want to call it, 
I want to make sure I'm right with God. But you know, it shouldn't be just a thing of going into a procedure like that. It needs to be every time we open our eyes in the morning, we say, God, forgive us. I want to live my life that's pleasing to you today. Because none of us are guaranteed that next breath. The expectation of the Lord's return should put us on our tiptoes of readiness. See, Christianity has been brought lower and lower as time has moved on in the eyes of the world. Why? A lot of it has come because of failures of the righteous. Efforts to fulfill the Great Commission have been stymied and affected because of the shadow of scandals. Whether it's been on the national news or among your circle of friends. Today, many sinful saints flourish in their sins thinking everything is okay because they're doing it without any kind of accountability. Thinking they will never be exposed. But listen to what Jesus said. He said, the time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed. And all that is in secret will be made known to all. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. What you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. I know I've covered a lot of scripture. And if you want to keep up with the scripture, if you didn't get a bulletin, I mean, I got four, four sides today on the notes. It's in the bulletin. Make sure you take one of those home or you can go to c3outlet.com. Go to the messages and th there's notes uh, on there to, if you want to go over these notes. And I, I know I've gone over a lot of scripture, but I'm going to give you one more before we quit, okay? Before I do, I just want you to know God is not looking for the perfect person. None of us can measure up to the perfect person and, the, and God isn't looking for that. He just... Uh, wants a person who is sold out to him, not someone who's going through empty emotions. You see, listen to what God said through the prophet Amos. I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. I will not accept your burnt offerings or grain offerings. I won't accept, I won't even notice all your choice peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty uh, flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. Friends, are you floating down the stream of a sinful life, a life that's unrighteous, ungodly? That's not what God's looking for. He says, I want to see a mighty flood of justice. He says, I want an endless river of righteous living. So I'm going to close with this. If Jesus were to come today and knock on your door, would you be ready to meet him? I'm not talking about going to heaven. I'm talking about if he came to your house this afternoon, knocked on the door, 
would you go right to the door and open it? Or would there be some things that you would need to tidy up before they come, before he comes? You know, maybe a relationship that needs to be healed before you talk to Jesus. If he came to your door, would you be ready or or are you holding some unforgiveness towards someone? Or maybe there's some sin in your life that you need to forsake before you go face to face with him. Or maybe there's something that you should be doing that you're not doing. You've just been admitting, omitting it. Friends, do you need a deeper baptism in the love of Jesus? Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially to spread the gospel further, please go to c3outlet.com give. Have a great week.